Well, good morning. Welcome all to First DC Church. Welcome to those on Zoom. Glad to have all of you here this morning. I am going to take some time this morning to go through some of the announcements. I know I usually kind of skip over them, but we're coming into a busy time and a, and a time when there's some changes to the schedule. So I wanted to remind you or let you know um, that tonight is going to be our last Bible study for a little while. We're going, to, we're going to take a break because of so many other things that are happening, and we're going to resume. So tonight will be the last one, and then we're going to resume on January 22nd. So we're going to take about a month off. One of the reasons is that next week at 4 o'clock there's going to be caroling. You see that in the bulletin. So be here for caroling out here on the steps. We're going to sing to the community, hopefully not create any traffic problems out here. Hopefully they'll, they won't get too distracted. But if they enjoy the singing, maybe they'll pull in and stop and listen and sing with us. Um, but that'll be next week, and then the week after will be um, Christmas. E- uh, will be Christmas, but Christmas Eve, of course, we'll have our candlelight service here at 6 p.m. I think it'll be dark enough that, with all these candles lit and so forth, it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful service, a beautiful evening. So hope you, you can join us then as well. You also see that on Christmas morning and New Year's morning, December 25th and January 1st, we're not going to have any Sunday school classes. Now, but we will still be having church. We will still be having worship service at our normal time. On December 25th, yes, the children can come in their pajamas. Okay? Come on over. Open a few gifts. Show up here. Worship the Lord. Go back and start playing with the gifts. Okay? So, yes, the children, children can show up in their pajamas. No, no, children can show up in their pajamas. (laughs) I'm worried about what the parents wear as pajamas, okay? So children with their pajamas can come on Sunday or on Christmas morning. Um, and then the only other thing, important thing today, at, right after the service, we're going to have our congregational meeting. Um, we'll take a break right after the worship service. I'll go back. I'm going to greet anybody who's, who's leaving. Um, but then we'll get started with our congregational meeting. There's still some Booklets back on the back table. Hopefully you've already taken one and read through it, know a little bit about what we're going to be saying. But those are the things that I wanted to highlight this morning. Is there anything else, anything else that we should, we should know? Anything else that we should share about the schedule this morning? Or any other kind of announcement this morning? Okay. All right, well then let's, um, let's just take a moment to, to just stop and to pray and to, uh, to get ready to worship then. Well, good morning, Heavenly Father. Thank you for another beautiful morning, one with a little bit of a surprise. Thank you for the snow. Um, we, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come together and to worship you, Lord. We're here for you. We're here to, to lift each other up and to share our experiences and to share our our praise and our joy, but it's, it's all for you, Lord. It's all lifted up to you. And so, pr- Lord, I pray this morning that everything that is um, said, sung, or done is, is done to your honor and to your glory, Lord. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I will ask, um, I will ask the Rogers to come up and to help me with, with the lighting of the Advent wreath. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you. 
So we're, we're lighting again the two candles in our Advent wreath that we've already lit so far. They remind us of God's gift of hope and of peace. And today we're going to light the third candle, the pink one back here, that represents joy. As we wait for Christmas, the birth of Jesus, we look forward to the joyful celebrations we will share with those we love. The prophet Isaiah calls us to rejoice because God will make the desert bloom and will call the people to return home on a great highway. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the angels brought good news of a great joy, which shall be to all people. The good news of Jesus' birth and the promise of peace are still tidings of great joy for us today. Isaiah says, Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. The third candle reminds us of our joy in Jesus Christ. All right, let's, let's pray. Well, thank you, God, for the gift of joy. Help us to recognize the moments of joy in our lives and to live joyfully so that others may be filled with the joy that comes from knowing your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. And so our focus today is on joy, and I will encourage you to stand and let's sing with the praise band as we sing about our joy and as we praise the Lord this morning. Good morning, everybody. It's, uh, it's a shame we only do this song once a year because it's, it's a nice song. So sing with us. Tears are falling, hearts are breaking, how we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting, welcome holy child, welcome holy child. Hope that you don't mind our manger, how I wish we would have known, but long awaited holy stranger. Make yourself at home, please make yourself at home. Bring your peace into our violence, bid our hungry souls be filled. Word now breaking, heaven silence. Welcome to our world, welcome to our world. Fragile fingers set to heal us, tender brow prepared for
Son, rob our sin and make us holy, perfect Son of God, perfect Son of God, welcome to Guys. 
don't you take a minute to greet your neighbor? <laughs> I know, I already talked to them. They're from Willow Street Church, <laughs> and they're from the praise band. You guys just aren't nearly as, as social as they are. <laughs> All right, I'll, <laughs> I'll encourage you to find your seat. And we'll take a moment to lift up praises and to lift up prayer requests. I, I have one here already, a, a prayer request um, for, for someone that um, this person knows who he and his wife have um, two kids. They're five years old. They're twins, a boy and a girl. As I said, they're both five years old, but both of them can't talk. And so the, uh, the prayer is that a miracle would happen, that, that maybe um, the specific prayer was that maybe on Christmas morning they would wake up and... and you know, say good morning or say Merry Christmas, but we'll pray for God's will to be done there. Don't know why, um, why they're not able to talk, what the, what the issue is, but um, we'll, we'll lift them up anyway. So, um, any other prayer requests? Thank you for everyone praying for Isaac's surgery on Wednesday. Feels like it was a long time ago. He, the surgery went really well, and the adenoids and tonsils needed to get out. Um, the wake-up was very awful and scared, in a lot of pain. It was just kind of traumatic for both of us. And after a couple hours, we managed to not have to stay overnight, so we were really thankful about that. He ate some mashed potatoes, and we could get out. Um, but the recovery's been really going really well. Still some pain, but he's eating chicken nuggets, running around. You'll see him back there. But just continued prayer as the scabs start to come off and just managing all that. But we're very excited. He slept way better than he has ever in his life, so we're excited. (laughs) Uh, Prayers for our nephew, Jack. They're at urgent care right now trying to figure out, you know, if he needs 
help or anything. He's just not been feeling well the last few days. Um, and also, he turned five on the ninth. So happy birthday to him, <laughs> even though he was sick with a fever. Any others? Oh, over here. Yeah, but praise uh, my father is back in the uh, retirement home that he was in. Um, he out of the hospital, and the tubes are out of him. So praises to God. All right, thank you. Yep, baby. Um, from Zoom, Marlene Groff asks for prayer for Harold Groff's family that um, he passed away on Monday evening. Okay. Any others? Okay, well then let's, let's go to prayer. Well, good morning, Father. Again, thank you for giving us the gift of a new day. We come to you um, with joy in our hearts, and our joy is our focus here this morning. Um, not joy that we find in anything in the world, but joy we find in you. We find joy in, in the fact that you heal, and, and we, we thank you for the way that you have brought um, Isaac through surgery. Um, we pray for, for uh, Jack as he um, is in urgent care right now. We thank you for your healing. We ask you for your comfort, your touch. Let Jack feel that you're there with him. Let him know that he's being watched and he's being taken care of. We thank you for the way that you healed Dave's dad and allowed him to get back to his home. And we ask for your comfort to be with the, the Howard Groff family as they mourn their loss. Father, we know that regardless of the situation, whether it's, whether it's in, in mourning or in praise of, of, a, of healing, regardless of our situation, we remember that we still have joy. The joy is, is there, and it's there because of you, regardless of what we're going through. And so, Father, thank you for always being there with us. Thank you for caring for even little old us. We thank you for watching over us and providing for us through the week. Thank you for the way you take care of us and, and give us the things that we need, including income. And so, Father, the offering that we've taken this morning we dedicate to you, we turn it over to you, and we ask you to, to bless it and to use it in any way that you feel is needed. We, we, just, we trust your will, and we pray that you'll use it to further your kingdom in some way. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'll ask you to stand as we sing hymn number 14, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee.
Please be seated. Well, we're continuing through the season of Advent, and we know that part of that means that we're waiting. We're waiting on something that's exciting that's coming. Today's the third Sunday of Advent. The Messiah is coming, and we're just waiting for his birth. And sometimes waiting is hard. It's exciting when we know that what we're waiting for is something wonderful, something worth celebrating, like the birth of a first child, for instance, but the waiting is hard. I found a story about four men who were waiting on the birth of their first child each. They were waiting in the hospital waiting room, and after sitting there for a while, a nurse comes out and tells the first father, congratulations, you have twins. And he says, wow, what a coincidence, I work for the Minnesota Twins. So later the nurse comes out, tells the second father, congratulations, you have triplets. And the father kind of chuckles and he says, well, that, that's really a coincidence because I work for 3M. A little bit later, the nurse comes out and tells the third father, congratulations, you have quadruplets. The father is happy, but a little bit overwhelmed, four kids, and says, okay, this is really weird. I work for Four Seasons Hotel. And suddenly the fourth father starts crying. He's banging his head against the wall. They said, what's wrong? And the fourth father says, I'm really in trouble. I work for 7-Eleven. <laughs> so let's pray, and then we'll jump into today's message. Almighty and merciful God, we to take that person. There we go. <laughs> They're back there saying, it's you. It's you. I don't know what it was. Okay, we're good now. So waiting can be hard even if we know what's coming. And maybe we know we're going to have a party, but it's going to be a surprise party. It's something that we're very excited about, but we can't tell anybody, right? Doesn't that make the wait even harder? It's hard to keep a secret like that for a long time. The longer you have to wait, the more you want to tell somebody. Just ask Zechariah, that priest we heard about last week. He became a father for the first time when he was really, really old, right? And he was just one of the priests, one of the about 18,000 priests. He was taking his turn at the temple, putting in his two-week shift. He and the other priests in his group, the, the eighth order of the division of Abijah, if you're taking notes, and they're all taking their turn, taking their two-week turn at being in the temple and doing their job. And, and one day when they cast lots to see which priest was going to go into the temple and burn the incense, that was, that was what this priest was going to do, they cast the lots and Zechariah's name came up or his turn came up through the lots. So he goes in like he's done so many times before. But this time an angel shows up right there in front of him on the right side of the altar and tells him that his wife is going to have a baby and he's supposed to name the baby John. 
And the angel says that baby John will go, grow up to be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He'll have the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and to turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. He's going to be the guy who announces the arrival of the Lord, getting the people ready to receive him. And that sounds like some pretty awesome stuff. And I'm sure Zechariah took it all in. But you know what he focuses on? Did you say I'm going to have a baby? He and his wife haven't been able to have a child. His wife Elizabeth was barren. She couldn't have children. And think about what effect that must have had with the people around them, right? I wonder how many people were saying, how can you be a priest when you weren't blessed by God with a child? That was the way they felt back then, that, that if you didn't have children, well, there's some reason God doesn't want to bless you. Plus the fact that these two were no spring chickens anymore either, right? So Zechariah doesn't believe it, and he says something like, well, how do I know that you're not just pulling my leg? And the angel says in, in the revised Stansbury translation, he says, listen, I'm Gabriel, and God sent me to give you this message, and if you're not going to believe me, well, here's your sign. I'm just going to hush your mouth and you're going to stay hushed until this baby is born. And just like that, Zechariah went silent. He couldn't speak. All that good stuff that the angel had told him about the son he was going to have, he has to keep it to himself now. He can't tell anybody. And gentlemen, what's worse, now he has to let Elizabeth do all the talking for him. <laughs> but ladies... I wonder how much Elizabeth secretly celebrated when she realized she was getting nine months of total silence, huh? So here's the deal. Zechariah knows that God has made him a promise. His son is going to be a very important guy, and he's going to be the, the one who announces the arrival of the Messiah, but he can't tell anybody. So for the next nine months, he quietly observes his wife, and he also sees and hears what's going on with Mary, and he starts putting things together. Zechariah is a devout Jew. He's read all the law and the prophets. He knows good and well that a Messiah has been promised. He knows all about the covenants that God has made with people like Abraham and Moses and David. And the more Zechariah sees and hears the more he's aware of what's happening around him, the more he realizes what's happening in the big picture. And so finally, his baby's born, and it's time to name the little boy, and all the friends and relatives assume that Zechariah and Elizabeth will follow tradition, and they'll just name the boy Zechariah Jr. But Elizabeth speaks up and says, No, he is to be called John. John? There's nobody in your family named John. Now, by the way, the name John in its Hebrew form means the Lord has been gracious. And the Lord certainly has been gracious to this family, hasn't he? But that's just Elizabeth talking. She's speaking up for Zechariah again, just like she's been doing for the last nine months. Now it's just gone too far. We'll see what Zechariah wants. So all the relatives turn and look at Zechariah. What do you want to name him? And Zechariah, somehow, through pointing and gesturing, whatever, he gets them to give him a writing tablet, and he writes out, his name is John. 
And with that act of obedience, just like that, his mouth is opened. We're told in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 64, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. So now, not only can Zechariah speak, but now his speech is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So that means that what Zechariah is about to say is a prophecy. So, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67. He says, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And he says in verse 68, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. You know, Zechariah gets it. One of the critical aspects of God's promise is the pledge that he will come to his people to lead them out of bondage. God had warned Israel that disobedience would mean that they would be returned to the kind of bondage that they experienced in Egypt. And if the people refused to listen to him after being freed from slavery, he'd return them to pagan domination. And that's just what happened. He allowed Assyria and Babylonia to take his people into captivity. Now, in keeping with his promise, God restored the people to their land when the Persians took over, but that restoration didn't fulfill everything that God had promised. After the Persians, the people were still under the control of Greece and then Rome. So faithful believers, like Zechariah, knew that they could expect a future that would bring the fullness of God's promise to reality. And Zechariah knows that the time has arrived. So he makes that announcement with so much joy in his heart. Verse 69, he says, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He uses that term, a horn, because a horn symbolized power and strength. And when Zechariah uses this phrase, horn of salvation, he's just using the same phrase that David used when David was praising God for his deliverance. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 22, he talks about, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. He also talks about it in Psalm 132. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. This is the Lord speaking through David. The fact that this horn is being raised up in the house of David shows that God is keeping his promise, his covenant with David. The covenant promised that David's descendants would build God's house and establish a throne that would never end. Up to this point, all of David's descendants have been a disappointment when it comes to being a king. But the Davidic covenant is finally being fulfilled. And we notice how Zechariah speaks prophetically by talking about what's going to happen in words that indicate that it already has happened. That's the trust that Zechariah has, that God is going to keep his promises. So I'm going to read 69 again, but go on through to, to verse 72. 
He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. And now Zechariah brings up another covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that God made with Abraham in verse, verses 73 through 75, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. No longer would God's people need to live in fear of God's wrath, but instead they can serve in holiness and righteousness through faith. And Zechariah gets that. He sees the fulfillment of the covenant with Abraham. He sees the fulfillment of the covenant with David. And he sees the fulfillment of another covenant, the new covenant, which hasn't even been defined yet. But Zechariah sees the connection. Right here, Zechariah links the Old Testament to the New Testament. His song of salvation could be a Reader's Digest condensed version commentary of the whole Bible. And now, starting in verse 76, he seems to turn his gaze from the heavens down to the little boy that he might be holding. Verse 76, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins." Here's what, where Zechariah gets a little excited about his son's future. Everyone always asks children, what are you going to be when you grow up? People still ask me that, assuming that I'm going to grow up someday. But imagine if you knew exactly what James, he just walked, I was hoping he'd be here when I, <laughs> but just imagine if you knew what James or, or Aaron was going to be, you know, when they, when they grow up, even before they're born. Just imagine if you know Zechariah knows what John is going to do. He's going to be God's spokesman. He's going to be what Ed McMahon was to Johnny Carson. So when, when John says, behold the Lamb of God, that can roughly be translated as, here's the Messiah. Getting people ready for the person that they really want to see. And he's going to do it by using something they're familiar with, this ritual bathing a process people would use to purify themselves and, and to make themselves ritually clean, but, but it did nothing for them morally. He's going to take that ritual and give it a new twist. He earns his new title as John the Baptizer by administering a baptism for the forgiveness of sins, a process that would cleanse them morally and spiritually. And how is this new process even possible? Verse 78 says, Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. And 79, To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. God's gift of salvation comes to undeserving people. And aren't we glad of that? Every one of us, at one time or another, are rebels against God. 
And I do use the word are, not were. We're not just, I can't just say that all of us were rebels against God. We are. Every now and then, we are rebels against God. But God, in his tender mercy, gives us better than we deserve. He uses the phrase, a rising sun will come to us from heaven. Well, where does the sun usually rise? In the east, the eastern sky. And, and they knew that. They understood enough about astronomy that they know that the normal sun would rise, rise in the east. So De- Zechariah is obviously talking about something else, a, a special kind of, of dawn, a special kind of rising sun that would come from heaven. <clears throat> in the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, we read about this special sun. It, it ends, the very, the very last part of, of that book, the very last part of the Old Testament, we read, but for you who revere my name, the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out, and I love this, this imagery, think of yourself here, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Isn't that kind of cool? Because I'm seeing them bouncing, right? <laughs> they don't just sit and eat, stand and eat. They, they eat and they bounce a little bit. The joy, the joy that, that is in them. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. This special rising of the sun will bring healing, joy, and victory, and, he, and it will shine on those living in the darkness. Zechariah gets all that. And so can you see why he burst out with this wonderful psalm after being forced to keep quiet for nine months? When he finally got to talk, Zechariah made it perfectly clear to everyone that the promises were finally being fulfilled. Waiting is hard, but the wait was finally over. Zechariah, as a devout Jew, a a priest with a strong knowledge of the law and the prophets, and with the help of nine months of quiet time, time that he had that he could spend time studying, Zechariah could see the connection between the prophecies of Scripture and the prophecy that he was presenting when he sang of his Redeemer. We have the benefit of looking back through history Now that we know Christ from the New Testament, we can go back and see him in the Old Testament too. We're the beneficiaries of those promises and and those fulfillments. We know the gospel story that brought all of God's promises to reality. We experience the mercy and the salvation that God gives in Jesus Christ. And so we know that Zechariah got it, and I hope that we get it too we should be able to sing of our Redeemer at least as passionately as Zechariah did, if not more, because we know so much more about him. So I'm going to ask you, let's stand together and sing of our Redeemer with the joy of knowing how Zechariah felt. As we sing our last hymn, I will sing of my Redeemer.
for most of you, you're going to stay, but I still want to give a benediction for all, and then I encourage you to just hang around. I'm looking at the clock. It's not there. So it's 11 o'clock, 11.15, uh, 11.20. We'll resume for the, for the congregational meeting. So the benediction. So as you leave this place today in peace, may you live in joy a full confidence of God's eternal faithfulness to his promises. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Are you... <laughs> 